Welcome to the two of the Will You Stop podcast. I'm Brandon, as always, with my partner in crime, Avi. What's up, Av? All right, I'm uh, ready to go. I actually uh, came home last night and I forced myself after a week off to watch Raw. Um, I got a lot to say about it. It was it was an extremely interesting episode. And the fact that I actually made it all the way through it, to me, I'm giving myself a pat in the back because let me tell you something, that last half hour, that was not easy. I mean, it's, it's, I DVR the first hour. I, I always DVR to begin with, but I, I caught up to it. Um, I could, there were some good things last night. I will say the match between Roman and Drew really wasn't a bad match. I think the more these guys work together, it'll actually pan out eventually, and they'll be able to put together a pretty decent match. Remember, their styles are very similar, and just like in whether it's boxing or, or UFC, you know, styles make fights. And just because, you know, two guys are bad workers doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have a bad match. Hogan Warrior, great example of that. At the, by the same token, you know, two great workers may not have a, get a great match. You know, it really just depends. We've seen it plenty of times where two guys just aren't meshing for whatever reason. Um, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, perfect example. You know, they didn't really have great matches like they thought we would, or we thought they would. Um, they weren't bad, but they definitely weren't what they thought, I at least thought they should have been. I think with Roman and Drew, I think the more those guys go at it, I think you're going to start to get some better shows out of them. I think last night wasn't that bad. The ending was stupid. Listen, we both hate Shane McMahon's punches. They look ridiculous. Um, worse. The, yeah, they're, they're pretty bad. But, you know, listen, it was a good match. The ending, I, I, I wouldn't have minded a real ending. I think those two need to go at it a few times where they can finally get it right. But overall, I like where they're going with that. Um Sami Zayn, I think he the the whole thing coming out and insulting the crowds getting a little old. I don't know if you noticed last night. He came out absolute crickets. Yeah, they totally overdid that whole gimmick, and it's it's gone. It's over with now. They killed it. Yeah, and I like Sami Zayn. I like him as a heel. I think he'll make a good heel. Uh, let's get him in matches. Let's get him in a feud. You know, enough with the twenty minute promos. It was nice. It was fun. Cut it down to five minutes. You don't need anything more than that. Um, with that, the Bray Wyatt vignettes, I mean, honestly, they're getting so bad, they're actually becoming fun to watch. So last night, the rabbit gets killed by apparently Mercy. <laughs> and now the internet is saying that uh, vultures do not kill live things. They eat dead things. Now the big mystery is, who killed the rabbit? Was it Abby? Was it Bray? Overall, though, I listen, I, I actually don't mind the vignettes at this point. I actually think the vignettes are kind of funny. They're cool. I don't know where it's going to go at this point. I don't even think they know where it's going to go. How does that sound to you? I think right now the writing team, your 40-man writing team for the WWE, is so far gone right now that I don't think they even know where they're going to go with this. My favorite part were those kids just sitting there straight-faced. Like they were almost forced to be there on that on that carpet. Yeah, that's how I felt last night watching Raw. But, I mean, you know, I, I like – listen, we all know where he's going somewhere with this when he says, you know, uh, I'll guide you if you let me in. Then he goes to, like, a different voice when he says, let me in. So, obviously, it, it's – it's. I mean, so one of the things I, I, I read is that people are saying that what we're actually seeing 
is how Bray Wyatt deals with everyday life with all the voices in his head. Kind of like me, like, like, like a Mick Foley takeoff when he was doing the three faces of Foley type deal. Listen, it's not bad. At least you're doing something with, you know, with somebody. But I mean, otherwise, now they have this wild card thing going on. I mean, what's the point of a brand extension if you're going to have a handful of guys showing up on both shows every week? Like you said, 40 guys, and they got no idea what the hell they're doing. I mean, why is Seth Rollins losing to, to Baron Corbin, who he's not even running in a program with? I could understand if they do the old school way where the champion and challenger are in a tag team on opposite sides. And like always, the challenger gets the clean pin over the champion, which leads you to believe the challenger has a shot at winning the belt. What was the point of that last night? The only thing that I could honestly come up with the fact that where are we going? We're in, we're in May, and at I believe at Extreme Rules in Philly, it's supposed to be Baron against Seth. So maybe it's they're actually thinking ahead for once and planting seeds for a program after the whole AJ thing, which they hot shot it to begin with. But otherwise, I, I don't know what Vince's fascination with Baron Corbin is. I really don't. Here's where they screw up with Baron. First of all. When they shaved his head, that was a perfect opportunity for him to have a hair versus hair match. That being said, change his outfit. The guy looks like a waiter in a diner. Yeah, I read something that, the, that Vince doesn't like his body, and that's why he's forced to wear a shirt. Okay, I have no problem with him wearing a shirt top or whatnot. Let him wear you know, pants or spandex or whatever it is in the bottom. Listen, The Rock for a while, if you remember, had a shirt on all the time. I have no problem with that. You know, let him wear a Bret Hart type uh, outfit. But I mean, the guy looks absolutely ridiculous. He literally looks like a diner, like a restaurant uh, diner, uh, a waiter in a diner. Just the worst. <laughs> you know, and I mean, uh, all right. I have no problem with having a WrestleMania rematch between Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. Their matches are pretty entertaining for the most part. But why did we do it on Raw? What is the, What was the point? You know, you're getting to a point now where Raw is so bad week in and week out. And we haven't even gotten to SmackDown yet. But Raw is so bad that we're under 2 million viewers. The viewership now numbers are right around where TNA was when they were on Thursday nights on Spike. I want to say probably around when uh, Hogan and Flair and that whole crew were running wild over there. So that was what, about 2011, I'll say? Around there, yeah. Right? So you're at TNA numbers right now. You know, now you you had mentioned to me earlier that this whole wild card thing is actually because there's some sort of power struggle between USA and Fox and Vince. No, it's not. A power you want to struggle. Struggle. They're telling him straight up, get your ratings up. We're putting a billion dollars into you. That's, that's that's not what I would call a power struggle. Well, I mean, like you even mentioned something about like they were pissed that he sent Roman to SmackDown. Like USA was pissed. That they sent Roman to SmackDown. Yeah, from what I understand, NBC Universal was kind of curious as to why Vince would take what I guess is now amounted to his biggest star, Roman Reigns, and ship him over to SmackDown. Which, I mean, I, I don't know if Roman's that big with the numbers or whatnot. I haven't really paid attention to those ratings numbers. Um, listen, at this point, Vince is going to have to put a product out there. Listen, you're not getting a billion dollars for nothing. You know, listen, he could send any roster he wants to Saudi Arabia, and he's getting his money out of Saudi Arabia. They don't get wrestling there enough to really give a shit from what I understand. 
you know, as long as they have wrestling there, they're going to be happy. But the bottom line is when you're when your number one flagship show, Raw, is getting its lowest numbers ever. We're talking lower numbers than during the peak of the NWO. Now, granted, listen, the wrestling business as a whole right now is definitely on a downswing. All right. No, nobody is pulling great numbers. Ring of Honors, they don't have a TV contract in any major city, from what I understand. They're not even Los Angeles. They're not in New York. Are they, are they in Philly? Um, yeah, there's a Philly, there's a Philly station that carries them on a, on a, it's like a syndicated version though. It's not like, uh, they don't have a flagship show, put it that way. Right. So you have Ring of Honor doesn't even have their own show. Impact is, is a Canadian federation at this point that's surviving on some, I don't even know what's the name of the cable network they're on at this point. I don't even know anymore what the name of it is. What is it? Pursuit? They, yeah, something like that. Uh, so they're hanging on. AEW hasn't even started yet. They were supposed to announce their TV contract, I believe it was this week or last week. We've heard nothing about it so far. So last- I think it's coming this week, I believe, the upfronts are this week. So we're going to find out. I mean, I mean, we're going to find out. But you know what, though? There's no guarantee they're going to get a TV contract for the simple fact that, you know, Turner may really look at WWE and say, you know what? The business is down right now. And they may not get a TV contract per se where – like Vince is getting paid, they may have to actually pay for it, which is not going to kill Tony Khan's pocketbook by any means. But I think overall, wrestling is is, is down right now. I mean, it's obvious. But the whole problem is you got to look at it. If wrestling is in fact down, the only person to blame is WWE. You know, if, if football viewership is down, you got to blame the NFL. Exactly. Like I mentioned the other day, when you're at the top of the hill and there's, there's shit running, it runs downhill. You know, I, I, Disco and Conan on their podcast brought up a good point. I was thinking about it today. At first, I thought about it. It sounded pretty stupid. But then the more I thought about it, it actually made sense. Have you noticed a steady decrease in WWE viewership ever since they started with the Saudi deal? Yeah, I would say that, yeah, it definitely has dropped down the last year. year. I mean, I so now, believe it's uh, 20%. That, 25%. That Saudi deal was a big deal. The human rights violations, the, the links to terrorism, et cetera, et cetera. And if you look at the NFL, their ratings really went down substantially when guys started taking a knee, if you notice. You know, politics does play a part in sports. And who knows? Maybe that Saudi deal is pissed off a lot more people than we think. I mean, I wish we there was some sort of idea of how many people are actually watching those Saudi pay-per-views. Well, we're, see not, if there's we're, not, we're not talking about the Saudi pay-per-views. We're talking about the actual product going downhill steadily, maybe coincidentally, maybe not, since the Saudi deal started. You know, and it's something to think about where, you know, you look at the NFL, their ratings plummeted once guys started taking a knee with the Colin Colin Kaepernick and guys like that taking a knee. And you have this Saudi deal right now. Maybe it's rubbed you know enough people the wrong way where it's starting to have an effect. There's, you know what? The, any, there's so, so many factors that why WWE is dropping under two million viewers that I wouldn't be surprised if that was a factor to, into it. You know, it's it's funny because when I first heard Disco talk about it, I was like, nah, that wouldn't make any sense. But then I thought about it, and I was like, actually, yeah, that does make sense. You know, if you think about it, the, the, the Saudi deal starts, and steadily viewership has gone downhill. Now, granted, it doesn't help the fact that the product has sucked. 
big time to the point where we're watching two shows back to back and there's literally no intelligent angles of any sorts going on. The matches haven't been terrible. Um, just finished that show. I was just watching the uh, triple threat from SmackDown. It wasn't a bad match. It was definitely entertaining enough. But let's look at the people in the match. It's Sami Zayn, AJ Styles, and Kofi. Who here has a feud with anybody? Absolutely nobody. Two guys are from Raw, and they're not even feuding with each other. <laughs> so you have Kofi, who has no beef right now with Sammy. You have Kofi with no beef with AJ. Sammy and AJ, I don't think even spoken to each other since they've both been in the Federation. So you just had a triple threat match with three guys who literally have nothing to do with each other. And I honestly think they only threw Kofi in there. Uh, Kofi, I'm sorry, Sammy in there just to take the pinfall so AJ didn't have to. Right, that would make sense. But <laughs> you just had a triple threat match with three guys that have no actual feud. You literally just had a cold triple threat match. Yep. That's astonishing to me. That you literally just can't put together a, a hot enough feud to give us a hot match. That's the issue. There's no hot matches. Which leads to the whole thing even back on Raw that you were talking about is there Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. They literally went into it with not any issues. Well, the, the whole issue I have with that is that, you know, you got to give us some hot matches. You know, Miz and Shane, okay, it's a hot feud. They're going to a cage match. That should be two actual wrestlers having a hot feud like that. I've never been a fan of Shane's, you know, work, and I don't think he belongs in a feud right now, and not with The Miz. I think The Miz is in a place right now where he needs to be in a good feud with another wrestler that's going to lead to something. You know, it's just, I don't understand this formula we're looking at right now where literally there's no hot feuds. Extreme Rules is in July, correct? Yes. Okay. So right now we're in the middle of May. In the next, in the next six weeks... You're going to build up enough hot feuds that they're going to matter for their blow. Extreme Rules, to me, should be a whole card of blow-offs. It, it should be all special stipulation and an entire card of nothing but blow-offs. You know, and here you have Andrade against uh, Ali. I, I still can't. Like we discussed on the last podcast, I don't understand the point of Ali. I'm not even going to get into it at this point. Uh, but like I said, you know, you're going to Extreme Rules which is going to be special matches, which should be blow-off matches. You're not gonna, you're gonna blow off feuds after six weeks? What feud is even going on now that even is, is at a point of a blow-off? The scariest thing, back to what you had just literally said, is the longest feud they have working right now is Miz and Shane. Well, it's only That's your longest feud. You know, you put the tag titles on, uh, on Rowan and uh, and Daniel Bryan, which actually isn't that bad. I'm actually okay with that, to be quite honest with you. I mean, at this point, what are you going to do with either guy? Give them the tag belts. They'll feud with the, with the Usos for the next 20 years. I mean, what else are you going to do at this point? But back to my point with the whole, you know, ratings going down. Like I said, you know, it was interesting because they brought it up that the whole, since the whole Saudi thing started, ratings have steadily gone downhill. We know a, bunch, a couple of wrestlers weren't happy about that. I have to assume there's people that aren't happy about that. You know, you got people, especially in this day and age, 
are very big in the politics. You know, you start making deals with the Saudi government who, you know, people are going to have their issues with. You know, that, that could lead to people stopping watching, stop watching. You know, like I said, if you look at the NFL effect, look what happened in the NFL. Ratings went down something like 30 to 40 percent ever since players started taking a knee. I mean, it has Adam not really huge on the NFL, but has things gone back up since like all that has passed, or is it still down? Still going on. You sound like you're having a hard time swallowing the whole Saudi theory. Oh no, I'm just I don't know enough about it to to put a two cents in because I don't know enough about geopolitics. As same as I don't have enough knowledge about the NFL to be able to give an educated opinion. That's why. Right, but the whole point is we live in a, in, a, in a day in a day and age where you know what politics plays a role in everyone's life these days, and you know, listen, like I said, it's something to think about. But you know, I'm I'm watching SmackDown based on fast forward right now as we're talking. And I mean, this really wasn't much better than Raw, to be quite honest with you. Um, I mean, Heavy Machinery is going to be their first feud, I guess, as, as tag champions. Yeah. It's funny. Heavy Machinery, Viking Raiders. Can you spot the difference? <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're like long lost first cousins. They're basically, I mean, seriously, we're getting to the point now. We're Raw and SmackDown. Well, I mean, do we still even have a brand extension? But Vince is basically creating two of every character. Just so we can have one on Raw and one on SmackDown. And then Aleister Black has a promo. He should never do a promo ever again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the last two nights. The last two nights, in a lot of ways, really sum up the WWE as a whole. Where you literally had two pointless shows. No feuds got any further. Uh, I just, you know, I'm at a point now where I really have to wonder if, if any, like you have 40 writers, just take this into consideration. You have 40 writers. I mean, you've always discussed it. If we ran our own federation, how we would do things where you would assign some people to the main event scene. You would assign some people to the tag team scene. You would assign some people to the mid card scene. And then you would assign people to like a miscellaneous scene, like your, your um, on the outskirt mid, you know, your upper mid card scene, your lower mid card scene, etc. And you break it up, you come together and basically put together your cards. So, what are forty writers doing exactly? Is what I'd love to know. Forty writers cannot come up with a viable angle, a viable program, and anything that makes any type of sense. I mean, that's just astonishing to me is that you have these 40 guys sitting there with Vince, who's basically been running this entire industry for what the last almost 40 years, basically. You know, I mean, he basically he took it over and, and he started he started the payoffs in 82, took over the Federation in 83. So you're talking 36 years now. This guy's been running the show. And granted, he's done a wonderful job. I mean, he's, he's made this business into a monster. But you're telling me 40 people whose specialty is writing can't come up with anything entertaining enough. I mean, I just find that impossible to believe. And we're at a point now where seriously, these ratings are getting so low that, you know, Fox and NBC have got to be looking at this saying, okay, Vince, what are you doing for us? And you're starting to see it now where NBC is basically telling Vince, what are you putting Roman Reigns on SmackDown for? 
they're not dumb. They know they're losing SmackDown. You know, and, and you're at a point now where, okay, you're going to go to Fox. You don't have a deep enough roster for a brand extension anymore. And I'll be honest, I don't know too many fans that, listen, you know, I've mentioned it before on previous podcasts. You know, to me, the brand extension, I there were times where I was okay with it. There were times where I was, you know, like kind of mortified by it. But right, you know, I was, I never loved it. To me, it was never a great idea. I never enjoyed splitting up the entire federation. I get why they had to do it when it first happened. I mean, you just bought WCW and ECW. You had a humongous roster of a ton of guys that you really couldn't figure out what to do with. And there were times where it worked. Listen, you can argue that it made Brock Lesnar into a star. You can argue it made Eddie Guerrero into a star. You can argue it made Rey Mysterio into a star. You know, Benoit, guys like Randy Orton, guys that otherwise, you know, may have fallen through the cracks. But I think you're at a point now where you're not going to have too many guys falling through the cracks. I think now if you put, you know, if if you're they're switching SmackDown to Friday nights, I believe. So if you get rid of this brand extension and your Monday show leads to your Friday show, which then leads back to your Monday show or to your pay-per-view, it makes sense. And right now, you you know, you're basically ending the brand extension to a degree and you have all these belts. You know, and I've never been a fan of a lot of titles. I, I think right now, as WWE stands, there should be a world title. There should be an IC title, a tag title, a women's title, and a women's tag title. I don't see a reason for anything else. I mean, you can make the argument that maybe you go with a IC and US title because you have so many singles guys. That, that could be something I would be okay with. I mean, you know, they, they, WSW had a world, US, and TV title, so I have no problem with three singles titles. And you go with a tag title, women's title, women's tag title, no problem with that. But there's no reason anymore for a brand extension. You just don't have enough – you don't have enough talent or angles to be having a brand extension. The, the talent pool really isn't all that deep if you think about it. I mean, if you really want to break up this federation and dissect it, you know, I mean, who are your main eventers right now? You got Kofi. You got AJ. You got Sammy. Uh, Daniel Bryan's a tag team champion now, so he's out of the mix. So that's three guys. You got Seth Rollins is four. Kevin Owens is five. Uh, that's pretty much it. Roman will always be in that main event picture. So Roman is six. And I guess you could throw Braun in there also when he's off punishment. So that's seven. So it's really just seven guys in your main event scene if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So you need two belts for that? You know, I mean, if you think about it, you have Samoa Joe as your uh, – is what is it with the IC champion? No, U.S. champion, right? Yep, U.S. champion. Then Finn Balor is the IC champion. Right. And even with that, I mean, I was thinking about, you need, you know, maybe having both belts. You really need it. I mean, keep the IC title. I don't see a reason to have more than one, you know, uh, mid-card title at this point. You know, who are going to be your mid-card contenders? You're probably going to have, you know, Joe Balor. Uh, I guess Baron Corbin you could throw in there. Uh, Bobby Lashley. Uh, I mean, who? McIntyre. Who? McIntyre. Yeah, you could put Drew in there. I'd like to see him in the main event scene, but that wouldn't be bad. I guess Dolph Ziggler, whenever he gets back, will be part of that scene. Uh, Andrade, who really should be getting a, a much better push than he's getting, I'll be honest. Andrade and Ricochet right now are getting ripped off. You know, Ricochet and Bobby Roode are having a feud right now, apparently. What are they feuding about? 
Well, I know what last night's fantastic match and fantastic angle was. Bobby Roode beat him two weeks ago, was never on Raw last week, and his his beef is that Ricochet was put into the Money in the Bank match, even though he beat Ricochet. That's what 40 writers had to come up with. Great. So, I mean, that's really, to me, that's not a feud. That's just, uh, listen, that's not a feud. That's just two guys, uh, I don't know, makes no sense. It goes back to that 50-50 booking. Had Ricochet lose, now Ricochet wins, so we're evened up. So either it's going to be a dead issue or they're going to keep going with them, going back and forth. And honestly, like you said, there's no angle. There's no reason for them to be fighting. It was a cold match to begin with. See, to me, a 50-50 booking really isn't that bad when it's two guys in a long, ugly, nasty, bloody feud. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they want to go 50-50 with Drew and Roman and put Roman and Drew in a – Roman and Drew really should be in a long feud. And the truth of the matter is, if you put those two guys in a long feud and you go 50-50 with them, I got no problem with that. Eventually, someone's going to have to win the feud and the blow-off. But getting up there, if you want to go 50-50, I'm all for that. That's the whole point of a feud. You know, I remember when Booker T and Benoit had their best of seven series in WCW. That was perfect 50-50 booking right there. And it ended off, you know, it ended in a great blow-off. You know, and that was, but it, to me, that was one of the best things WCW ever did was that best of seven series with Booker T and Benoit. Roman and Drew weren't even, aren't even a feud. That was a cold match a month after WrestleMania. It's not even like they've had issues since. Right, which they haven't even said because the two of them really could have a great feud. It's just two exactly. big men. You know, that could be a feud where you really don't even need an actual angle, so to speak. It's just two tough motherfuckers going at it. And I don't think the crowd would have an issue with that. I wouldn't have an issue with that. Just two tough, big motherfuckers going at it. Let them pound each other out for a half hour every Monday night or Tuesday night. I got no problem with that. I think last night they they, they may have finally figured out the formula for those two to actually have a good match. And they're going to do nothing with it, which is really pathetic. You know, so you're at a point now where the brand extension doesn't even matter anymore. You know, kill Universal title. I hate that name as it is. Get rid of your U.S. title. You know, stick with the IC. Stick with your tag. Stick with your women's tag. Stick with your women's championship. You know, you're, you're getting to a point now where you're going to start getting repetitive if you keep up with this brand extension. Like, tonight you had a, what you- tonight you had a triple threat match, right? And... It was three guys that really have no feud. So, yeah, it, it's not, it, it was, you know, there was no buildup and it wasn't, it was still a pretty good match, though. And you're not going to have stuff like that too often if you keep up with this brand extension, even with this wild card nonsense. What do you think about after uh, set the Saudi pay per view? They lead into um, Extreme Rules, they get rid of the brand extension, and the actual angles they're going to do are going to be the unification matches. I have no problem with that. I honestly have no problem with that. I just, like I said, it's just you're, you're. I feel like when you do, listen, when you when you just keep putting on these cold matches, you're just basically you're 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 literally just. It's like jumping into a into a cold pool. Yeah, you're eventually going to get used to it, but how much are you really going to enjoy it after a while? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like getting into a cold shower in the morning. It's going to wake you up, and you ain't going to like it. You know, you you, you got to put feuds together. This is America. This is not Japan. You can't just throw a bunch of cold matches together and have us sit there clapping our hands at big moves. We want to see entertainment. 
you know, the Bray Wyatt thing, as ridiculous as it is, guess what? It's fucking entertaining. And that's just the thing, because it's so ridiculous, it's entertaining. It's it's one of those stupid TV shows that are just so dumb, it makes you laugh, and it entertains you, even though you didn't think it was going to. You know, last night you get turned on, you got whether it rambling rabbit gets is being eaten by Mercy. Mercy burps. Abby jumps into the fray. Or Abigail, whatever you want to call her. It kind of reminds you of those 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 angles that uh Impact was doing a couple of years ago where it was just so bad you had to watch. Especially with Rosemary and that nonsense. Well, you want to call it train train wreck TV? It's it's ugly, but you can't turn away. Pretty much. I mean, you're at the point now with WWE where it's like it's the only thing they got going. I mean, let's be honest. What else they have going? Sammy Zane, he's run his course. No more 20 minute promos, please. Just get in the ring and wrestle. You're a good wrestler. You work well. You're a good heel. I like the whole thing with you know Kevin Owens jumping into the fray tonight. I don't know why. I just feel like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Should, should, and Daniel Bryan and, and Rowan should have like their own little crew together. Like a beer. I, I definitely could see that. I could definitely see those four guys forming an alliance and be, and you know, you got Rowan as the bodyguard, the heavy, the sit vicious, if you will. You know, Kevin Owens could be like the enforcer. Daniel Bryan as the, you know, the Ric Flair of the group. I don't even think you know in that in that sense. I just think you know those four guys would work well together. Uh, I, I just feel like I feel like Sammy and KO or Kevin Owens. You know, th- those two definitely need to be with somebody and form some sort of a crew. You know, like like I said, like a bunch of just bearded guys hanging out together, just being dicks to everyone. You know, I think all f- listen. Rowan's never going to get over crazy. He'll be over as a big guy. Um. I, I think Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens together could be very entertaining. You know, but this is this this is the stuff they're lacking. They're lacking any kind of angles. Uh, they're lacking any kind of continuity. They're, they're lacking anything that's really intense. You know, like somebody made a joke today about how, how the state of WWE, I saw it today on the internet where a person goes, just tried to cancel my WWE network subscription and got denied. Plus, they're adding another six months to my contract. You know, that's the point we're at now where guys are literally trying to leave. Where they're going to go is beyond me. I mean, go to AEW, you have no idea if it's going to be any better. Speaking of AEW, from what I understand, the booking committee is going to be the books, Omega, and Cody. Um, I'm not sure. You know, there's the old adage that wrestlers don't make the best bookers. Uh, it really depends. You know, in, 19, in, in 89, when NWA was kind of at its peak, so to speak, the book was Ric Flair. So, you know, who knows? But you have to assume out of those four, Someone's going to have to kind of be your alpha and take that over. You know, just curious. Listen, if Cody Rhodes has half of his father's uh, booking sense, we're in for a treat with AEW. I have a question for you. What the fuck was that bullshit with the revival? 
Oh, wow. You know, I, I forgot about that. And, and now you, you brought it back into my life. And I was kind of hoping to never see anything like that ever again. Yeah, I, I'm... Uh. Like, are we in third grade? Like, sir, I, I know that, you know, it's PG era to kids and stuff, but even kids aren't going to get that. Seven-year-olds are not going to understand that shit. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, are we punishing, are we punishing the revival because they didn't want to sign a five year deal? So you're going to embarrass them? First last week, you have them shaving each other's backs. Now they're acting like puppies in heat, ru- running, rubbing on the mat and stuff like that. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Like what the? That was pretty bad. It's gotten to the point that I don't even have words for WWE anymore. Uh, it's almost like the, the writing team is doing what they think they th- what they think is funny and trying to put it out. They're not realizing they have to entertain us, not make themselves laugh. You know, it's it's gotten to the point now where you know it's 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 becoming difficult to watch. You know, I've been a fan for a long time. Listen, I love the business. I love wrestling. I'm always going to be a fan. I'm always going to watch. But now it's getting to the point where it's hard for me to really, you know, look at it and say, yeah, this is entertaining. Yes, this is fun to watch. It is definitely not fun to watch. That's for sure. You know, it's. I I think we have to. Unfortunately, start taking it with a grain of salt or else we're not going to enjoy it. You know, you have to realize that maybe this is just the way it is now. We're going to be dealing with a bunch of just thrown-together matches, which sucks, but this is just the way it is now. You know, it's, it's it, it, things change. You know, as Billy Bean said, evolve or die. Maybe this is the evolution of North American wrestling. We become like Japan. You know, we get more cold matches, the occasional feud, but it's going to be more cold matches, more to, you know, to give us that competitive feeling so to speak i don't know how do you look at it at this point the matches aren't even that competitive though that's just the thing it's i mean you want to compare it to you know straight matches from new japan those are a lot more competitive in ring stuff in ring matches than anything wwe is putting on it's still paint by numbers for wwe with their matches oh absolutely listen that's that's not going to change anytime soon you know, Vince has set it up where he's basically just creating these uh, interchangeable parts, so to speak. You know, even on NXT, is there anybody in NXT that really sticks out? Right now, no. That's the point, maybe. And if you think about it, who from NXT can come up right now and kind of liven things up, so to speak? Nobody, honestly. You know, Lars Sullivan came in. I mean, is he on SmackDown or Raw? I don't even know at this point. Technically, he's SmackDown. All right, so he'll be the Braun Strowman of SmackDown, basically. Which I'm fine with. Right. Listen, you need a monster. You need a monster on both shows. You know, that was Kane's job for a while on SmackDown. You know, I remember he had Snitsky on Raw for a while. You, 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 need, you need your monsters. You know, what are you going to... 
I can't think of a time in wrestling we didn't have at least a couple of monsters hanging around. You need those. You need them to, you know, you need them to, to put champions in jeopardy. You need them to throw into a main event every now and then. I, I have no problem with monsters. Uh, it's funny. I haven't heard any uh, Dean Ambrose updates this week yet. Usually by now you hear something about him. Yeah, nothing. No new video dropped on Twitter. It was that one video, and now nothing. No botcha news? Nothing from her either. Supposedly, she – well, it's going to be interesting. We got to see – what I read today was she was booked for the European tour, which they're heading to now. So I guess we're going to see if she actually went or not. But as far as I'm concerned, I think she's DOA. From what I understand, her husband actually uh, put something on Twitter saying there was no tantrum. Don't believe what you hear, something to that effect. Yeah, but he's trying to save his own job. He's the, like the seamster. Well, he makes the costume for them. So you can't. I don't know. You can't hold his job against him for what his wife does. It's a lot yeah. Better. You know, it, it's just. Honestly, well, I mean, listen, for her, I don't think anybody really gives a shit, to be quite honest with you. She can disappear. She can appear. She can. Uh, who cares? Um, Dean Ambrose. I'm kind of curious to see where he winds up. Now I'm hearing he may wind up an Impact. Uh, okay, have fun with that. Well, I was surprised Michael Elgin went to the Impact. Uh, yeah, why did he go there? I haven't. A sl- I know he had some issues in Japan. There were accusations made towards him of inappropriate behavior. But I would have thought. Are back to ROH, or maybe even we'll just wait it out to AEW. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Impact for all intents and purposes, a Canadian federation. Am I wrong? Pretty much. I mean, they're what are they? They just taped in Canada, and I think this past weekend they actually had TV tapings in Philly. But they're ba- yeah, their their owners are based in Canada, so it's pretty much a Canadian federation. And Don Callis is the booker; he's a Canadian guy. Yep. Scott more too. He's Canadian. Yes, I mean to me, it's basically Canadian Federation at this point. It doesn't. Yeah, no, no, no offense to the Canadians. You know, it is what it is. Um, to me, TNA is always or Impact is always going to be a sore spot with me because honestly, you know, it's actually, it's actually interesting. They said that people who were at the the taping this past week said that Sabu looked the best he has looked in fifteen years. Listen, you work out, have some good steroids, why not? But, you know, it, it, to me, impact is always going to be a stain on the business for the simple fact that, you know, they came along at what we thought was the perfect time. You know, they pop up around, what was it, 2002. You know, WCW at that point was dead for about a year. And they basically picked up whatever was left over that WWE didn't pick up. And they had, you know, they built up a really nice roster. With your AJ Styles and your Samoa Joes, your Abysses, then eventually your Kurt Angles. Kevin Nash was there. Scott Hall was there. Hulk Hogan was there. Ric Flair was there. Um, I mean, what's his name? was also there for a long time. Um, his name is off the top of my head right now. Uh, former Ring of Honor champion. Christopher Daniels? Uh, besides him, the other one. Um, there's the perfect Ric Flair impersonation. Oh, Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal was there. They had a deep roster if you think about it. You know, at one point, they, they probably had a better roster than WWE did. I would say from, you know, and they had Sting there. <laughs> you know? Uh, 
you know, say what you want, but they had a deep roster there at one point. The Dudley brothers were there. Cactus Jack was there. DDP was there. You had Raven, Shane Douglas. I mean, you literally had pretty much every single person that Vince didn't pick up when he brought ECW and WCW over. And it was astonishing to me that they literally could do nothing with it. I'm afraid that that's what's gonna what AEW is gonna be now. The way that everyone who WWE didn't want went to Impact, they're gonna be the ones going to AEW, and I just hope they don't make the same mistakes. It, to me, it's gonna be all about booking. Whoever's running that book, if they know what they're doing, it'll be fine. That was the issue with Impact all along. Listen, you brought Russo in there. You know, at first, I think their first booker was uh, Cornette. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I never thought he was a great booker. Um, then they brought over Russo. And let's be honest, unless Russo has a filter like Vince McMahon, he's not going to do much. I mean, he, just, he, was, he was a train wreck at WCW. What was interesting is he really didn't bring any of that crash TV or any of those, those crazy angles to TNA. He just kind of bought crap to TNA. Yep. You know, and then Dutch Mantel took over, and he's a pretty good booker. The problem was, he had, you know, unfortunately, Hogan and Bischoff up his ass the whole time. You know, but TNA, for what it's worth, you know, they had a deep roster. They had, it was basically WCW 2.0. The roster was WCW 2.0, and they tried to be WWE 2.0 instead of being Impact 1.0. Yeah, and I think that was their biggest problem. At their peak, as far as uh, roster goes, you know, we can, and, and, you know, you can discuss, we've discussed TNA a lot, you know, slash impact. You know, at their peak, if you look at their roster, it's literally your main event scene right now in WWE plus WCW, basically what, minus Goldberg? Yep. You had Hogan, Flair, Hall, Nash, Sting, DDP. You know, so that's basically your top guys from WCW when it went down. Um, you know, Mick Foley was there. Booker T was there. Kurt Angle was there. Scott Steiner. A ton of ECW guys. AJ, Samoa Joe. Yeah, I got Christopher Dan. Your main event scene in WWE now is there. And it's astonishing to me they could do nothing with that. It's almost like, how is that even possible? They had a decent TV contract. Granted, they weren't live. They were taped, but they were on Spike. You know, we went to a live show. It's just, it's astonishing to me. You know, Petey Williams was there. Yep. Rude. You know, it, it's just, they, literally, they had all your top guys there at one time or another that are in WWE right now to a degree. Eric Young? Yep. <laughs> it's just astonishing to me that they could do no, EC3. Drew. How could the Hardy, the Hardy Boys. I mean, we could go on and on. <laughs> you know, seriously. Like, how could they do nothing with that roster? My God. If you think about it, they had WCW's main guys at the end of WCW. 
They had half your main event roster of WWE right now. You had your main event roster from ECW when they went on there. You had the Dudley Boys, your Tommy Dreamer, Shane Douglas, Sabu. Taz was an announcer there. New Jack was there for crying out loud. Our truth was there. Yep, he was the first NWA champion under the TNA NWA TNA regime. It's astonishing to me that with that kind of a roster, they couldn't do anything with it. And you know what's funny about it is that you know Russo's credited with attitude, this, that, and everything. No, he's credited for being a good writer that Vince McMahon was able to filter out. He shit the bed in WCW, and he had a roster and a half in TNA. It's astonishing to me that that kind of a roster couldn't really gain any ground. But here's the funny thing. Here's the ironic thing about it. And now think about this. With that roster, they were getting the same numbers WWE is getting right now. How does that sit with you? That's that's just astonishing to the whole fact that Vince McMahon, who for years is able to create stars, take guys, make them bigger than they are, and he can't filter out a great idea from 40 guys. Hey, listen, what cracks me up is when Triple H back in, what, 2012, went on record saying, we're not interested in any guys from Impact or TNA or guys over the age of 30. Meanwhile, the majority of the main event scene is former Impact guys. Who are in their 40s. Right. <laughs> so that, to me, tells you a lot of the current mental state of the WWE universe. Oh, the universe uh, evolved. But I'm telling you, it's it's really it's one of the biggest mysteries in the history of professional wrestling. This is what this is one of those moments where I'd love to sit down with a guy like Dave Meltzer and get his thoughts on why TNA just could not make it with that kind of roster. If you actually think about it for all intents and purposes, if you take TNA at their peak with all their talent and measure it side by side with WWE right now, it's pretty even if you ask me. If not, maybe a little better in, in, in TNA's uh, book. You know, I'd love to know why they just couldn't get over the edge. Like, what held them back? I know the writing was terrible, but they couldn't put together one decent angle. The main event mafia was probably their best. Actually, no, aces and eights probably the best uh, idea they ever had. Do you think it was a Dixie Carter issue? I couldn't even tell you. I mean, honestly, I'm not big on the inner workings of uh, Impact slash TNA. I'm not sure what went on there. But when you, have an, when you have a roster that deep and that talented and you can't do anything with it, you don't deserve to succeed. It doesn't take uh. genius to figure out your matchups. I mean, if you think about it, Kurt Angle and Sting are on the same roster. They feud from day one. Booker T is there. Booker T and Kurt Angle is a dream match. Booker T and Sting is a dream match. AJ Styles, Booker T. AJ Styles, Kurt Angle. AJ Styles, Sting. These just are matches that should have naturally happened. You know, I mean, I mean, it just, there was no rhyme or reason, if you think about it, that TNA and Import Slash Impact shouldn't have made it. <laughs> You know, my biggest question is this. This is where I kind of get a little uh, confused. Is how come Impact couldn't pick up the old WWE fans that had no interest in WWE? They were a Southern promotion based out of Tennessee. 
to a degree, they were always a Southern promotion. You know, they never had that real national feel to it. You know, how come they couldn't gravitate or how come the old WCW fans never gravitated to them? They had the freaking WCW roster. As a matter of fact, they had the WCW production crew working for them. It literally was WCW 2.0. I mean, let's be real. WWE didn't pick them up either because their numbers, once it closed down, dropped back down. They didn't translate translate those Southern fans over either. I think they just left. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's something to be said about hot angles. I think hot angles bring in your casual fans. You know, remember, WCW never pulled in huge crowds until, really, the NWO came around. Then the NWO, I think, brought in a lot of those fringe fans, a lot of those casual fans, a lot of those old-school fans that just wanted to watch wrestling again. NWO was the cool thing. And once NWO stopped, you know, I think they disappeared, and whatever was left over were your real, you know, your, your real WCW fans. You know, when you were pulling seven or 8,000 for a pay-per-view, that wasn't an anomaly. That's pretty much what WCW always pulled. They, they would always pull, you know, between five and 10,000 fans, maybe hit twelve or 13,000 occasionally. But they never had those big, giant arenas like WWE, those big stadium shows. You know, by the same token, when Austin McMahon finally died down and WWE numbers started to come down, they were down, you know, a certain amount where I think, that was just your base WWE fandom, so to speak. So I think what you saw at the end of WCW and what you're seeing over the last 20 years or so with WWE are your base fans. But my question then becomes is, how come TNA couldn't capture that WCW base? You know, did Russo scare those fans away when he came back around? You know, I always thought bringing Russo to TNA was a mistake. I did like SAX. I, I'm going to admit that right now. That might have been the only Russo and TNA idea I did like. The only thing, Sports yeah, the only thing I actually ever liked about TNA was probably the Aces and Eights, only because it had that reminiscent of uh, NWO type stuff. Well, look at it this way: TNA did one good thing. It tur- showed that that Bubba Ray Dudley could be a singles guy. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, yeah, I guess if that's what we want to take out of it, you know, I think. Um, listen, they're still hanging on. They're still going strong. They're still around. They're not dead. Yep, yep. Coming up on twenty years too. Yes, I mean they're still around. Um, if you have to rank them, they're still the number two federation in North America. I mean, if you really want to get real about it. You know, if you really want to rank the federations of North America right now, it's WWE, it's it's Impact, and it's it's ROH. You know, when AEW shows up, AEW, for all intents and purposes, to me, that's it's going to start out as your number four federation until proven otherwise. Yeah, that first show is going to be very interesting. It's gonna it's gonna show a lot to everyone what they're about and where things are going to go in the next at least five years. You know, everybody talks about Tony Khan having all this money. Listen, Impact was never broke. You know, Dixie Carter came out of Panda Energy. Panda Energy is is, is a big-time company with a lot. I think Panda Energy was pouring something like $70 million a year into Impact. I don't think they ever made any profit whatsoever. So, you know, it's not like Impact was walking around broke. 
And they're still not broke. They're still owned by what? Anthem, which is a huge conglomerate in Canada. So Impact's not going broke anytime soon. They have plenty of money to spend. Same thing with ROH. ROH is owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. They got they own what a hundred and something TV stations in America. So you know it's not like it's not for lack of money. You know where ECW just basically ran out of money and ran out of time and ran out of a TV contract. You know ROH has plenty of money. They still have a real reasonable TV contract. You know by the same token, uh, Impact's got plenty of money. They got a crappy TV contract. You know they're they're stuck somewhere in the middle of of no man's land as far as cable goes. It seems to me that it's all about presentation and creative. Oh, it's all about oh, creative. Absolutely. Listen, this is wrestling. It's all about creative. If you think about it, your first golden age of wrestling was started by what? Television and most notably, Gorgeous George. That was your first. He wasn't your first heel, so to speak. Heels have been around since the carnival days. But he was your first mainstream heel. Everyone knew Gorgeous George. Everyone hated Gorgeous George. What's funny is, though, a character like Gorgeous George in today's day and age would probably be a fan favorite. You know? Was he a a masculine man not afraid about his femininity? Was he your first gimmick? Like your real gimmick? First real gimmick? They They always had gimmicks, per se. You know, they had masked wrestlers. Um, <clears throat> Wild Bill Curry, to a degree, was your first bloodthirsty wrestler. Um, I believe he's the first guy to ever take a steel chair into the ring. I believe he was one of the participants in the first cage match, which I believe took place in like 1936 in Los Angeles. Um, you know, so, but he was your first real mainstream villain, so to speak. You know, back then, your main villains were basically, you know, Nazi sympathizers like Waldo and Fritz von Erich, uh, your Russian wrestlers like Ivan Koloff and people like that. So he was your first, you know, mainstream, so to speak, villain. You know, and that's, that brings us back to the whole creative thing that, you're, you know, wrestling doesn't explode until it hits TV and you have this gorgeous George character. And what do people want to do? They want to see gorgeous George get the crapping out of him. That's why you paid money. You know, your second golden age, you know, with Hogan was this larger than life superhero character. You know, with the blonde hair and the the tan skin, the huge muscles overcoming all the odds. You know, and then from there, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin, your anti-hero. Here you have a guy who's basically a heel and he's getting cheered to death. And then to me, your last guy, really. I mean, well, you had The Rock, obviously. And The Rock, in a sense, was kind of like your typical jock bully. But he's getting cheered. And then your last guy was your pseudo, you know, thug rapper from Boston, the Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch type mold. But, you know, he hit a nerve. You know, so and now- yeah, it, 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 everything in wrestling, when it comes to booms, it's all about creative. And you know what's funny? When it comes to busts in wrestling, it's all about creative also. You know, in the 70s, wrestling was really not in a great place. I can't say it wasn't in a great place. It just wasn't in a good place, wrestling. And that's when they kind of went to, like, you know, the blood and gore era of the Sheik with the fireballs and stuff like that because they just had to get attention, you know. And then, you know, you had your steroid trial and stuff like that, and you had some stupid stuff, you know, with with dentists and Undertaker going to the, to the, to the you know, dying and going to heaven 
or sending, as, as Bruce Pritchard always says. You know, so for better or for worse, wrestling is all about the creative, if you think about it. You know, you've had crappy rosters. Listen, look at look at the beginning of Attitude. Look at the WWE roster for all intents and purposes for most of 98 and 99. That really wasn't a great roster. It was basically Austin Rock, Triple H, Taker, Kane, Mankind. With the New Age Outlaws and a couple of the guys built in. And, you know, Rock and Triple H hadn't found each other yet. You know, it was a very raw... Very unpolished roster, but with really good writing. By the same token, look at Impact in 2008, 9, 10, 11. A great roster, possibly a legendary roster, a very deep roster with really shitty writing. Look at WCW in 99 and 2000. A great roster, shitty writing. You know, and even if you look at the... WCW 1989 really wasn't a great roster by any means. Great writing, great storytelling. You know, so you've had situations where the rosters may not be great, but the writing is great. You know, so what it comes down to, it's going to be all about creative. You know, what's next? You know, it's not about, you know, you can only have so many stars and not be creative. You know, I think we're at a point now where the roster is fine. You have to get better with creative. You got to get better stories. You have to get better story writing. You got to give us feuds that make sense. And those feuds have to last. You know, you, you can't give us a feud for 15 minutes. I'm sorry. You got you to stretch it out over a couple pay-per-views. It's just, it's just uh, 40 people writing. One of them is Paul Heyman, and there's not a single great angle among them. It, it just blows my mind on how you could have so many people have to come up with some ideas, and none of them are good enough for Vince to say, let's go for it. Let's do it. Like I, There's got to be something in there. Like I said, WCW and TNA both proved you can have the deepest roster of all time, and unless you have proper writing, you ain't going to do shit with it. And by the same token, you know, Attitude in 98, 99, ECW for that matter, in 97, 98 proved, you know, you don't need the deepest roster to have great angles and great writing. You know, right now, the roster is good enough. We just need better writing is what it comes down to. Definitely do. Definitely do because it's hard. It is hard to watch Monday and Tuesdays. Oh, dude, I suffered it, last night. That was, last night was like going to a cleaning to the dentist, seriously. I, I couldn't wait for it to be over. And last night really screwed me up because you ever notice when you fall asleep in your couch then you go to the bed, you can't fall asleep afterwards? Right. That's what happened to me last night. Main event put me out. Uh, oh my! I, I've said before that I'm one of the biggest WWE marks, but it's it's just painful anymore. Yeah, I can't even defend. I can't even defend it. I, I got nothing. I got nothing to defend it. I got nothing to say positive. I mean, yeah, there's a positive. Yeah, they'll have a good match, but creatively, there's just nothing out there, man. It's like the Sahara Desert, dry as fuck. Nothing going on. No water in sight. 
You think, you think, wait, is that a lake? I, I see, no, it's a fucking mirage. Nothing was really there. Yeah, and that's where we're at right now. And I told you, it's just, it's, it's, it's all about uh, creative. Simple as that. Without creative, you have nothing. Well, hopefully something something gives. Something has to give. They have no choice. They're getting $2 billion from NBC and Fox. I, Fox, I have to believe, with their reputation and the fact they're a national TV syndicate, is going to tell Vince straight up, you better give us something good. Because right now, we're getting garbage. I'm telling you now, these ratings cannot continue at this rate. I mean, we're at the point now where, I mean, I'd love to know what the old ratings were for the old superstar shows and stuff like that compared to what it is now. Because I can guarantee it's probably not much different. And you know what? Let's be real. They should have low ratings. For what they're presenting, they should not have 3 million viewers. Three million people don't deserve to have to watch this shit. They don't have to watch the revival scratching their balls on TV. I don't deserve to have to watch this shit. <laughs> I don't know. I think you deserve it, but that's another story. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Last night was, was so fucking painful. My goodness. And today wasn't much better. Listen, I, I sat there and I watched uh, you know, SmackDown while doing this podcast tonight. Uh, there was nothing there. Your main event was decent. But there's no way in hell I'm gonna sit there and tell you what a great uh what a great card this was. Okay, if you had to compare the two shows, which would you say was a better show? How does this sound to you? They're both exactly the same. They they literally just took both shows and basically made them the same. If I had to choose one gun to my head, um Raw, and I'm gonna tell you why, because the Bray Wyatt uh, vignette, even though they showed it tonight, last night was the first time we saw it. And that took it over the top because honestly, that was pretty entertaining. I'm curious. I can't wait till they finally get him in the ring. I, I wonder if has if his style is going to be different. Obviously, the way he presents himself is going to be different because he's not going to be that that cult leader that that he was with the Wyatt family. But I'm just curious what presentation they show when he actually gets in the ring. You, I mean, they keep showing him. They keep showing him with these gloves. That kind of like that that Jekyll and Hyde good and evil thing. And it keeps flashing on the screen. So I'm really curious where they're going to go once he actually gets in the ring. You and me both. Listen, it, it's interesting. It's it's got my attention. Let's put it that way. It's one thing I'll give them. Um, they got our attention with this. At least something is right. Hey, better than nothing these days. Um, what's the best way to get in touch with us? I believe it's on our uh, website. And that's willyoustoppodcast.com. All our social media is there. We are so happy to have brought you this extra show this week. I think this might be a uh, this might be a mainstay. I believe I'm, I believe you're correct. I mean, it seems like people are enjoying it. You know, guys, don't be shy. Hit us back with your feedback. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us what sounds stupid. Tell us what sounds smart. Bring it to us. Any questions, hit us up. We will answer every question you throw at us. And we're going to be back on Sunday with another episode of Will You Stop? 
Until then, everybody, stay in touch. Brandon, like always, it's been a pleasure. Yep, peace, people. Bye.